Welcome to How Now, the podcast where we talk about how to live in the now. And here's your host, Kim Martin Raymond. Peace and blessings, and welcome to another edition of the How Now podcast, where we talk about how to live in the now. I am your host, Kim Martin Raymond. I am a minister. I'm a spiritual life coach and author and the founder of Redefining You LLC, where I help my clients to realign themselves, mind, body, and spirit. Tonight is going to be a special show, and the show is talking about uh, taking care of our families, taking care of our loved ones, making sure that we are doing the proper planning that is necessary. So our show is entitled Estate Planning in the Now. And I'm excited about my guest. He is a dear friend of mine. He is a man of faith. He and I go way back and it's just uh, wonderful to have him here. And as is customary in the How Now podcast, I'm going to have him introduce himself at this time. Well, first, thank you, Kim, for having me. This is a blessing to be here with you in particular because, you, you know, you have the right energy. This is just a yeah, perfect show for you. you. So I'm honored to be on here. Uh, everyone, my name is Keith Miles. I'm an estate planning and elder law attorney. Uh, originally from New York, came down to Georgia about 2004. And uh, so now I'm a, I, I can't say I'm an official southerner, but, you know, I've been here long enough that I'm not a New Yorker. So I'll just leave it at that, right? But, but uh, I have a practice, uh, sole practice, and I have an office in Gwinnett and in Atlanta, and I focus on trying to help people, like Kim said, get your affairs in order, and we'll talk about what that means, but um, yeah, I, I just kind of look at it partially as my job, partially as my my ministry. Uh, you know, I'm not in any an official position, but this is kind of, for me, what God's purpose is for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, it is a pleasure to have you here. I have watched you uh, expand your business and it's just been wonderful to see how God is continuing to work in and through you in this uh, ministry of estate planning. And that's something that's so important, especially in this time of pandemic. We've seen a lot of people who have lost loved ones and, um, you know, it's been abrupt. No one expected this. No one anticipated this. So before we dive into that, let's talk about what was going on prior to the pandemic. As far as your estate planning business, how are things looking for you? Were things going relatively you know, well? Or you know, what seemed to be uh, the things that people were most interested in when you uh, started really expanding on your business? Yeah, it was, I would say steady, but a struggle. And the thing with estate planning, as you can imagine, it's a big procrastination issue. So people will say, oh, I know I need to do that. And then they just, they don't want to take action or they'll start and they won't finish. They'll even pay money and start the process and still not finish. Right? It's just an uncomfortable thing to talk about or they just want to rush through it and just, you know, I just want to get something simple and this kind of want to just basically get a document and, you know, we like, no, you gotta, you gotta kind of invest in it. So it's always hard. It was kind of like pulling teeth always to kind of get someone to do something and pushing and prodding. And so it was very exhausting. And, you know, so it's kind of like, it's always going to be. So that was, you know, the way it was. And as you, it's like, you're kind of leading into, it changed last year. Yeah. In a yeah. Cause I was going to say, you know, I, and I know that it's prevalent also in the, you know, African American community. People just don't like to, it's a, it's another one of those taboo kind of uh, situations. You know, you don't want to talk about it, you know, because you don't, you don't want to talk about it because you don't want to bring it up. You don't want to, you know, but how many arguments, how many, fights? How many things have we seen take place when people haven't left instructions on what it is that they want to be done either to them, you know, to themselves, what they want done with their belongings? These things are important. And, and you know, we really put our families, I think, at a disadvantage when we 
we, when we don't step in and say the things that we want, you know, we, what our wishes are for when we pass. And so just like you're saying, I know that's it. It's an extremely taboo thing, but just like you said, it's not something that we rush through. It's something that, that we definitely need to, to put a foot forward in. And so let's fast forward to March of, uh, or January of 2020. What happened then? Well, you know, I, I would say the floodgates open, right? And it's, and it's not in a morbid sense where, you know, people are coming for probate and someone passed away. I actually expected that to happen. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, some of the people are going to come, someone and someone passed from COVID, and I need to. That actually wasn't what people were coming for. Mm-hmm. I actually never, I, even to this point, I have not had someone come to me who specifically said someone passed from COVID. Now, people pass, but you know, maybe from other, you know, mm-hmm. old age or some heart attack or whatever. This, 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 the typical stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But what people did come starting in is that anxiety. Right, because before you kind of you, everyone knows you're gonna pass away, but in your mind, it's in somewhere way down the road. Or if it's not way down, you know, maybe it's five, ten years. I don't need to do it right now. But what happened in 2020 was people started really having anxiety, like, whoa, I don't know what this thing is gonna be. I need to do it right now. Mm-hmm. And that's what your, your, your title, your pocket, in the now, like that was like, they were like, I need to do this right now because in my mind, it was always a topic, you know, and I'm speaking of them, in my mind, it's always something that's coming, I'll eventually have to deal with. And now it's kind of when you see, you know how it was last year, it was just constant media, so this has happened, these are the numbers, right? Every day you're checking mm-hmm. the numbers, more and more infections, more cases, this and that. So now we had people who were like, well, this is a real possibility. Even if I don't know anyone personally who's had this happen, right? We're scared at that point to go outside. We're scared to go to the supermarket. Like it was to the point where people were really just scared. And I'm not gonna lie to you, I was one of them. Oh, yeah. And I was, and I, and that's gonna lead into what we talk about, you know, later is how I how I've dealt with it because you know I'm I'm the state planning attorney, so I have to have a certain role with people, right. but I'm having the same anxiety and fears from myself, I can always, of course, do my own paperwork, right? So, so I can get my own stuff, right? So I have my stuff in order, but still that anxiety, I understood why they were feeling the way they were feeling because I was feeling the same way. Right. And I mean, that's definitely an issue because, you know, like you said, it just, it just came up all of a sudden. And, and I'm surprised that you said that, you know, there weren't people who were saying that there was a relative who passed of COVID, you know, how do I do the, you know, go through the probate? And, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about that as well, just so that people are familiar with that. But when when people first come to you and they're talking about estate planning, or what is the verbiage that people usually use? Because I wasn't really familiar with the term estate planning. When I think of estate planning, I think of these, you know, super wealthy people that have all of these things and, and, and all this property and they have to go through all of that. Explain to us in layman's terms kind of what estate planning is or what is the terminology that you hear people use when they refer to that? Right. Well, I think you hit right on it is, is people think of estate, they equate estate planning with wealth. So it's, it's necessarily in their mind a lot of times monetarily based. So the layperson's thinking, I don't have enough. You That's what I hear. Well, I really don't have that much. Right. Or, you know what, it's simple. Like, that's the other thing we hear. It's, you know, my thing is really simple. I don't have that much. They kind of combine those two statements. Like, it's simple. I don't have that much. Yes. So those are the usual two things that we have to, to worry about uh, trying to explain really what's involved in estate planning. Because an estate is in a creation by the, by the state. It's not a federal concept. So that's what we want to be clear to. People think of the IRS a lot with taxes, so that's uniform. Your 1040, right? So whether you live in California, New York, Chicago, everyone's paying the 1040. But right. even though you all pass, you could pass away in any state, but each state has its own scheme. Gotcha. So Georgia has its own scheme. If someone moves to another state on license in North Carolina, completely different scheme. So it's a, a state are created by the state for your possessions. Okay. Of course, uh, if you have not 
already identified how they're going to pass. So if you have a house in your name, bank account in your name, car in your name, those things need to pass to someone else. But the only way to pass title is with the state doing it because you didn't, you know, you passed away before you were able to do it yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one function of probate is to pass title to things. The other part of probate is for people. So you have most of the time as, as a parent, particularly you have a steward over someone, a child, right? A minor mm -hmm. child. So that's the big thing we talk to people about is property and people. It's the big thing, even if you don't have a lot of money, you have children, yeah, well, then you need to do some estate planning because you need to decide if something happens to me and my child's, you know, nine years old, who do you want to take care of him or her? Mm. That's probably more important where your property goes, right? So it's not just a property issue. It's, I really tell people it's a, it's a person issue, people issue first. Because mm. even if you have a lot of property, you can hold it in a such a way and we're going to talk about this later. You can hold it in such a way that it will pass outside of probate. Right. So you can avoid the court, but you can't avoid the court for appointing your minor guardian. You have to, the only way you can do that is at a will. So I can have $10 million and have it arranged in a trust that will avoid probate. Right. But if I have a child, I still need to have a will because I have to say, court, this is where I want my child to go, mm -hmm. who I want them to watch over them. So that's the really the biggest thing we try to talk to people about is, you know, after death, you have to worry about your children. Mm -hmm. But also we try to say, before we go right to death, you got to have planning for your life. Because when people think of estate planning, they automatically think of death, right? So what happens after I'm gone? Well, as estate planning attorneys, we say, hold up. Let's not jump to that. What happens while you're alive? Right. How many times do you, we know someone has dementia, maybe some special needs, someone maybe they're getting older and they're just not confident or comfortable taking care of their own affairs, managing, you know, finances. That's still part of estate planning. Right. That's actually a biggest part of our estate planning is doing power of attorneys, which handles your financial matters right. and also advanced directives, not especially with, with COVID. How do you want to be treated? If you go to the hospital, do you want to be on a ventilator? If you if you're unconscious, do you want to be have your life supported? That's you know part of estate planning. So when people say I don't have a lot of property, you say, well, hold up. Do you have any property at all? Yeah, that bank account, car, whatever. Okay, house. Okay, you need to do estate planning because you have to say what happens to that if if you're alive and you start to get Alzheimer's. Do you you need someone to step in? Right. If you, you know. God forbid, in an act car accident, I do a lot of brain injury patients. So mm. a lot of people that are, you know, there's people think of special needs of people that were born yeah. special, right? So they yeah. think of, okay, you're born with, um, say, autistic. That's a special needs person. They think Special Olympics, and they have a vision in their head of what special right. needs is. Right. So many people that I deal with were just living their life and had something happen to them, stroke. Mm traumatic brain injury or like a, a head injury wow. shocked down and something like something that happened when they were you know grown wow. and now that life has completely changed spinal injury yeah you get paralyzed right? all this stuff estate plan wow. and you're still alive but you, I, you better believe those things are critical for them long before they passed away so wow. it's, a, it's a lot broader than people say right i was gonna say that that is huge that you say yeah the, you're planning for your life just like you said, when you think about estate planning, people think death, but you are, you're planning for your life. And especially during this time of pandemic, we have people who are long haulers, who now have things that have happened to them as a result of, of being exposed to, to the virus. And now their way of life has changed. And, 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 I, and now they have to talk about those, those hard things, like you said, those advanced directives. What, what are we going to do? Are we going to do a DNR, a do not resuscitate? What are some things that you want to do? And I think that's where that hard part, like you were talking about earlier, comes in. People don't want to have those conversations. But now we're being forced to have those conversations, like you said, and seeing that uptick of people coming because now they're like, oh, my goodness, what if something happens to me? What, what are we going to do? Or what are we going to do as a result of that? How are we going to to 
you know, address our quality of life. And so that that's huge that you say that. And, and I just want to make sure that that people are listening and are clear on that, that you are planning for your life, not just for your passing. You know, it's a combination of both. So kind of talk me through the process. Is it a long process of, you know, because I guess when people think about leaving their things, is it, is it this big thesis that they feel like they have to write about? Uh-oh. Okay, we're back. We had a little minor hiccup there. We lost Keith for a minute, but he's back. So uh, we were in the middle of talking about, you know, the process for estate planning. You know, I was asking if it's a long process, like, you know, people think they have to write this whole thesis or this book. It, is it more of a questionnaire or is it more of like a narrative of the things that you want done? Or is it a combination of both? Yeah, it, you know, the, it's, it's a good question to ask because the honest answer is it's going to depend on which estate planning attorney you go to. I have a certain way I work and I've kind of worked with systems for me. So I like things with technology. I have a portal. I send someone a questionnaire beforehand that's through the portal. Mm -hmm. uh, back in the day, I had a paper questionnaire, but I found that it, people wouldn't return it when they came. So a lot of times we had to kind of spend the interview, you know, the consultation with me doing the interview saying, well, how many kids do you have? What assets? You know, and I'm wasting the interview trying to get basic information. So then I moved to doing it electronically. So when they, I have them book their own stuff on the calendar. And once they book, I send them the questionnaire electronically. So when I get it back, I'm kind of reading the questionnaire before they even meet with me and forming my questions. So when we meet, it's usually about half an hour to an hour. And I'm really saying, okay, let's look at what you gave me and start a conversation kind of just like we are now. Like, what, Tell me what your concerns are. I see you have here you know, uh, your second marriage between the two of you, ones, you, you have different children, how do you want to treat them? So I can kind of dive into things. Mm -hmm. And then once we go through that, I kind of, you know, always have to say, do you understand how things work? What passes by a will, what doesn't? Kind of give them some technical things. But I really want to hear from them, what is their thought pattern? Am I someone who's trying to take care of my spouse first and then my kids? Mm -hmm. Am I worried about my kids and my spouse can, you know, take care of his or herself? <laughs> uh, you know, hey, I made this money and I'm trying to spend all of it with me. And, you know, if I give anything I give you, whether it's $10 or a thousand is, is a bonus. You know, people have different ideas of how they want mm -hmm. things to happen. So my role is really to just pull it out of them because I'm not, I'm going to tell them what I, what I suggest, right? But I'm not going to tell them what to do. Right. So if they ask me or if I see them kind of say, you know what, that's a little bit out of the ordinary, well, tell me why. But if they say this is really what I want, I'm like, okay, uh, I'm, I'm here to kind of make sure the paperwork says whatever you want, which makes it a little bit more, um, it lasts longer than they want sometimes, because I think a lot of times they do want that, well, just give me a document with some names on it. And I said, no, because, you know, it's not one size fits all. Right. And the same document for one person can cause damage versus another person. And I always give the, I, the, the kind of the quick thing is I say, are you a Brady Bunch or are you the Cosby's? Right. right. So the Cosby's are two parents with all the kids are the same uh, for the same two parents. So if you leave money from one parent to the other with a simple will, our, our husband leaves it to wife. Right. All those kids are going to get that money after the, presumably after mom passes, right? Because they're all in the same space. Brady Bunch. You got Mike Brady, Cal Brady. They got two separate sets of kids. Right. If Mike Brady leaves it to Cal Brady and Cal Brady leaves it to her kids, well, Mike's kids didn't get anything. Right. And people say, oh, okay, right. I didn't think about that, right? So they're living together while everyone's alive. They're automatically functioning as one unit. But once you pass, the law says we go by bloodlines and adoption. Gotcha. So it's, it starts changing things. And, and so people, once they find out the technical way things work, that's when they start to say, oh, let me dive into this a little further. Right. So it winds up taking a little bit longer because most people are in a what we call blended family. So the standard nuclear family of Cosby's, that's actually not the majority of families nowadays. People have 
remarried a lot. So you have a lot of blended families. So I would say 60 to 70 percent of people should not be doing anything simple just from the structure of how their life is. So even though they're coming in and saying, I want something simple, I, I explain to them, no, you really don't. Wow. Because if you do something simple, you're going to leave someone out. I didn't even think of that because you would think that, you know, when you were talking about the Brady's and you were talking about, you know, if, if Mike left it to Carol and then Carol left it down to her kids, that's true. His kids get left out because you automatically would assume, well, they were his kids and this was, and so doesn't he automatically? And just like you said, we make a lot of assumptions. Right. And, and just like you said, the family dynamic has changed so much in that we have same sex marriages, we have blended families, we have families that where they have guardianship and all kinds of things. And so it gets real complicated. And so, yeah, you definitely wanna have somebody that help ask those questions and, and sort out and help you to sort out things you know, as you're going along, because there may be those things that you overlook. So, you know, that, that right there, you know, speaks to the importance of having an estate planner, because we don't know everything. We don't want to just go to the store and get a living will packet from, you know, Office Depot or, or anywhere else and just, you know, say, yeah. I'm just going to fill this out and, and just take it to the court and file it. You know, you want to have somebody who will be able to ask those questions because those are not the things yeah. that we readily think of, you know? So, I mean, I definitely see that as being as being an issue, you know? And so, so talk to me a little bit about the difference between like the, you know, when you do the estate planning, is it your permanent will or is it a living will? Or is it a combination of both? Okay. Okay. Well, that, that's a good question because I don't know why the legislature calls it a living will because it's it's confusing to everybody. And then we wind up as lawyers having to explain okay. a will, when we say a will, that's after you die. Okay. It only takes effect after you die. You can make as many as you want. You can you're not locked into so if I make a will in 2021 in in May. And I decide, oh, do I, I want to add something or change something. I can make another one in July. I can keep making new ones. You just can't make a new one after you die <laughs> because that's what it gets. That's, that's the last one. So it's what, mm -hmm. when you go to probate, like, what's, what's the last one? You had 13, all right, give me the last one, right? right. So mm -hmm. you can make as many as you want until you die or until you become incompetent. That's other things people want to say, until you become incompetent. So even if you're alive, right, you start to get to the point where you have Alzheimer's or some brain injury, you might lose the opportunity to update your will. So even though you in your mind say, well, I can always make one now and I'll change it later. Some people don't get the opportunity to change it later. Right. So we always caution against that. But a will is after you pass away and then you go to probate. Right. A living will, the reason why they put the word living on it is it happens while you're alive, but it's not a will, okay? A, it's really what should have been called a advanced and what it is is when you say if I'm in this particular situation where mm -hmm. I'm not able to express my you know desires for what my health care will be mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you what my preferences are gotcha. so because you're stating your preferences they kind of equated it to a will but it's not a will gotcha. so a will is related to probate court and this is not related to probate court. It's just a document that people will recognize, the hospitals will recognize, medical facilities will recognize, but it's not a will. So as lawyers, we call it an advanced directive. Uh, and then in Georgia in particular, we have a form where we take a, what used to be called a healthcare power attorney. Mm -hmm. There's two aspects of your healthcare. There's where you make your wishes known, you know, or, do everything you can to extend my life or vice versa. Don't extend my life. You know, just let me go. That's your advanced directive, medical directive piece. And then there's a healthcare power attorney where you say, I want so-and-so, you know, my spouse, my mother, brother, friend to be an agent for me in case I can't do it. That's healthcare power attorney aspect. So that both sides of that attorney aspect and the preference are what we call an advanced directive now. Yeah. So we don't actually use the word. We you actually can't in Georgia make a living will anymore. So we don't even use that in in our state of Georgia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Other states you can make what's called a living will. They shouldn't call it that because it's right. confusing. But you can make one. 
we can't even make one. We have to make an advanced directive, which will combine both aspects of that healthcare decision-making process, but it's called an advanced directive, and we don't call it a living will anymore in Georgia. Right, and, 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 and in that advanced directive, you're not putting any other information like, uh, like the things that you would put in your will, like I want to leave my home to this person. Right, exactly. Your, your will is your part of your estate. Like I said, the state makes it and says, wrap around your property, your, your, your child, your person, whatever, the, your children that are underneath you, all of that is part of your estate. And that is your will portion. Your advanced directive is just about you and your health care. Nothing else. It's not going to deal with property of your minor children. It's not going to deal with your spouses. You know, some aspect of prenup or postnup or nothing. It, it, it just right. Because I think that's what people were thinking. I think people would when they were thinking living will were just saying, okay, I'll put everything in this living will. And should I, uh, you know, should I pass? You know, prior to making an official uh, will, that this becomes my standing will now that you know because that was my living and it just turns into the permanent when i right. yeah, no, yeah there's, there's only one will that you can make and you have to have certain formalities okay. you have to have it in writing and so you can't scribble something on a napkin in the state of georgia wow in north carolina you can scribble something on a napkin the holographic wow. will well that's it's very state specific right? right so in georgia you have to type the thing up you have to have two witnesses and they don't have, they cannot be someone who's, you know, getting something under your will, right? So you shouldn't, if I'm getting something under my, you know, my mother's will, I shouldn't be the witness to it because it's going to look like I'm some funny business, right? I'm making, a, I'm witnessing a will that I'm getting something. Right. So you have some rules about who can serve as a witness. Gotcha. It does not actually have to be notarized. So people don't realize that a will does not have to be notarized. It just has to be witnessed by two people over the age of 14, other states have to be over the age 18. So states have their different age limits and requirements of witnesses and things. So you have your two witnesses, that's a will, because it's not notarized, is that if you don't have, a, there's another form we use called self-proving affidavit. Mm -hmm. So you have your will, and then we have another form that says, I as a notary am verifying that the person who made the will and the witnesses came and everything was done okay and then that's notarized that self-proving affidavit is notarized oh, okay. and we say keep it with the will you don't have a self-proving affidavit when the person passes away whether it could be you know three months later or 10 years 15 20 the witnesses of that will have to come to court and they say well did was this done right on that day so they could be dead <laughs> they could be unavailable they could you know be un unable to be found so you always want to have that self-proving affidavit which says everything was done okay so as long as you have that affidavit the court says okay we don't need to bring anybody to the court to prove the will because the self-proving affidavit is doing that function for us okay. so whenever you that's another thing we see when people do their own will at legal zoom they're like okay i went on there and did my own will i found something on the internet and they got a witness and they didn't know they were supposed to have a self-proven affidavit. So that person passes away, and then you're 12 years later, you're trying to find witnesses, and hopefully it was someone they're still in contact with and that's still alive, because if you can't find witnesses, then you have to try to fall back on someone verifying the signature of the person. And if you can't do that, you can't admit the will. So you definitely have to go through some procedural things with a will that you don't have to do with other documents. Yeah, well, see, and that right there, I'm sitting here like my mouth hung open, like what? Yeah, because that's a lot. It, it there was a lot. It, it's a process. It is a process, and I think that's the thing. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's where the. And the I, I don't want to I'm sorry, honey. Go ahead. Yeah. It's, no, I was gonna say I I I want to make sure I, I mentioned this piece because this is the part that really blows. We always hear the phrase, and you probably hear it, you know, if you don't have a plan, the government has one for you. So people hear, if you've ever heard that with, you know, with not having a will. So some people understand what that means and some people don't. We have what's called intestate rules. Every state has it. So I remember I said every state is different with their rulemaking. Yes. They're different in the details, but we all have the same structure. All the states have the same structure. So you, if you have a will, 
they will admit it to will for probate court and say, well, if everything was done correctly with the witnessing and everything, we'll follow the will. If you don't have a will, meaning you did, you never made one or you couldn't meet the standard, your witnessing wasn't right or whatever, you are what's called intestate. So the state has rules of, okay, if someone dies without a will, we as the state will make this determination for them of where their property will go. Mm -hmm. Okay, so most of the time they try to go across family lines that'll so say, okay, did the person have a spouse? Yes, all right, let's start there. If you had a spouse, do you have any children? No. Spouse and no children, spouse gets 100%. That's most states. Georgia's that way. If you have a spouse and one child, okay, 50-50. So even if your child was a child that you were estranged from, you didn't talk to, you couldn't stand each other, child, spouse, 50-50. So the state does not care anything about your personal relationships at all. If I had three kids, and I pass away with three kids. I get one third, one third, one third. One could have been taking care of me while I was sick for the last 10 years. And the other one could never have visited me and never called. Yeah. One third, one third, one third. They don't care. Okay. Yeah. So when that, but flip fast forward back to that Brady Bunch example. I mentioned if, if, if Carol left something to her children, assume like most people, I think it's about 60 to 70% of people don't have a will. Right. So if Carol and Mike, neither one of them had a will, what's the effect? Mike dies without a will. The state says, okay, if you die without a will, Mike, you had one spouse, three boys. So the spouse, if it was Georgia, would get one third, and then the boys would share in the other two thirds. So they would actually get something right. if he did nothing. Right. But if he makes a will that says, I leave everything to Carol, right. that's actually where they get disinherited, right? Because it moves over to Carol. And if Carol does something, that does, so it's actually counterintuitive. She would have to put in her will that she was leaving to the boys and to Exactly. The she would have to go see the estate planner to specifically say, include my stepchildren, because they're not automatically included. So it's actually sometimes more protection when you don't have a will then when you have a will, because with blended families, it automatically says, if someone doesn't have a will, we're going to take care of their family right. by blood. But if you do a will, people, like I said, they come in and they say, I want to give it to my spouse and then to my children. Well, that can cause a problem. So I always, when I mention that, they're like, oh, oh, okay. And, and, and you know, if, if Mike and Cal, um, don't, or, and then I'm going to give you the other scenario that blows their mind. You ready for this one? I'm ready. <laughs> Mike has a will, says, give it to Carol. Dies, gives it to Carol. Carol, she's still looking fine, right? She's still looking cutie. So Carol gets remarried. And she, with her new husband, makes a will that says, to my spouse and children. She gets another simple will, but she updates it for her new marriage. Mm. Well, what happens? If she passes away before that husband, her stuff goes to the new husband. Neither the boys, Mike's boys, or Carol, girls, none of the six kids get anything. Right? Because wow. Mike's stuff went to Carol. Carol's stuff went to the new husband. And his kids got it. Or his, right. you know, right. brothers, sisters, or parents, or whatever you had, if they would have kids together. So it's crazy. People's property that you think is going to go to your kids. Mike thinks, oh, my, my son's going to get some of this. Right. You have a will that you think you're doing the right thing. Let me just go make a simple will. And you disinherited not only your children, but Mike, if uh, Carol did the same thing, she disinherited her children. So none of the Brady kids got anything. Right. And I see. And I guess that's where we see a lot of the, the dissension and a lot of the feuding between families because people are saying, well, I was his child. Why did not get anything? Why did his wife get it? And I didn't right. get anything. We hear right. that a lot, especially in blended families. The new That's wife it. gets everything or the new husband gets everything. And then the their blood children get nothing. Right. We didn't even think about that. Oh my goodness. I'm glad you brought that up. That's important stuff. I hope you all are listening to this because I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm going to get deeper for you. I'm going to get deeper for you, Jim. I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to give you another subtlety. Okay. Mike thinks ahead. And Mike's like, he heard this podcast and he's like, whoa, 
I ain't doing that, right? <laughs> so Mike goes and talks to an estate planner, and he's like, okay, I want Carol to be taken care of, but I also want to make sure that when she passes away, my boys get my property. Not, not, the, not the girls, even though I love them, I'm going to make sure my boys get my property, right? So he goes and sets up, but he has something that says, I'm going to create a trust that will put money into the trust for Carol's life. And then when Carol passes away, to the boys. So he's feeling good, right? He's like, okay, I took care of my kids. My affairs are in order. What's the problem? He said, I put this money into trust for my wife as long as she lives. So now the boys have to wait until she dies. Right. Right. So, so say she's 45. They're both in their 40, mid 40s when she passed, when he right. passes. Right. And the boys are, say, 18. So now they have to wait. Say she lives till she's 87. Right. They have to wait 42 years to get their inheritance. So he took care of his affairs, right? But he didn't think of the practical. So now they have to wait for their stepmom to die. And now that affects the family dynamic. Maybe, you know, if he left some money direct, maybe an insurance policy or something gave them something day one after he passes, they could feel more comfortable about waiting for the remaining estate. Right. But if they don't get anything at all, they may pass away before she does. Right? Because if she lives until her mid 80s, my grandma lives to 105. <laughs> right, exactly. She, she lives to 100. Like, like, Queen, like Queen Elizabeth, she's, she's still kicking at 96. Six, right? And then right. And that, right. he's still not king, right? The, the Prince Charles is still not, he's right. still not king, right? right. Like, he's like 70 something years old. <laughs> so you got to think of logistics of things. So yeah. that's what you know, I know that's good on paper, but let's talk about the practical, especially in a blended family. Because like I said, Cosby's pretty bunch. Right. I might wait for Claire Huxtable and hope that she lives as long as she's possible. You know, if I'm if I'm Malcolm Jamal Warner, if I'm you know, what you know, what his name was, you know, whatever. <laughs> I hope my mama lives as long as she right. she can. Right. So I don't care if she lives at ninety five. Right. But if she's my stepmom, right. Especially if I'm not if I if it's later in life and I didn't have that relationship with her right. and she's you know getting my dad's money until for fifty years and I don't get a thing. Right. That causes a big problem yeah so people that, that's a this is a very detailed thing you have to, that's why i said you have to think through this process like yeah. we i start sitting down talking to people say okay now tell me what you want to happen i want to take care of my spouse and kids okay how do you want to do that well i'm just leaving everything to my spouse and she'll take care whoa whoa you give everything to her and suppose she has a car accident and she didn't have a will. That that's just going to her kids, and you're not getting and your kids aren't getting anything. I wasn't holding, but no, she said she would. Yeah, she said she would. She's alive, right? But she can't guarantee what, how long she's gonna live. But she can't guarantee she she you know doesn't get Alzheimer's. So she might have, she might love them to death. She gets Alzheimer's and out of nursing home. That nursing home will look at that assets and say, oh, you got three hundred thousand dollars assets. Help you know pay for your care, and she's spending down assets on her health care. That you meant to go to your children, so you got to think through so many issues. That's why the elder law. I say as I'm state playing an elder law attorney, part of the elder law is that long-term care because we have statistics that say, I think it was within the last year and a half, about 70% of people spend down their life savings because those medical bills. You know, you're, when people have retirement and they have their 401k and savings, they presume that they're going to have that money on a healthy basis. Right, so that I can I can plan out how I spend, but if we're a couple and one of the couple has a health problem, now if that money goes towards that issue, now you know that's a draining on the retirement savings. If that person passes away, now you have the remaining spouse who has a lot less money than he or she thought because I anticipated I would have this money. To last me for till I'm 90, but now we had to spend so much on you know my wife's care, mm-hmm. and she passed from cancer. Now I'm or she had Alzheimer's. We had to put her in uh, get home attendants and people to come in to help me take care of her. I'm spending money, mm-hmm. so that's part of the elder law. That's part of the estate planning, the life part of it, and that's where we as the black community need to really start talking about that topic because two things: number one. 
who takes care of people in our community? More likely than not, the women, mm -hmm. right? So the daughters, the mothers and daughters. So the right. females, they're doing the caregiving. So that means a lot of times they have to leave their job or, or care while they're working. Right. And that affects their ability to make money for themselves. And then once, you know, they take care of someone, they pass away, they might find themselves in a position where they are, you know, not in a, in a physically well, because that wears you out taking care of somebody. Right. I may have had to leave my job or maybe had to kind of go part-time or something to take care of mom or daddy or whoever. So it affects us. We have to really talk about how we do caregiving. Yes, siblings, sit down and have a family meeting. Hey, there's three of us. You know, Kim can't be the only one taking care of mom. All of us got to pitch in. How are we going to do this? You know, she's going to get burnt out or, you know, she's not she's not be able to do it. She got his family home. She got to Homes, you know, kids and whatever, you know, you got to have all these kind of discussions. Exactly. It's not just about passing money at death. You got a whole lot of life discussions. Oh my goodness! And like you said, and and that's just because I mean, it's a it's a huge web. Just in what you talked about, and I think about people who even you know were was were, were married and and then they just decided to separate. Because and, and then you know financially, I'm not paying for the divorce, so I'm not paying for it either. So we're just gonna live apart what happens in those situations so so just mm. in talking about what you're talking about it just seems like it's a whole web of complexities that it can be like you said especially when you start talking about blended families and all of those things I, I'm, I, my mind is blown right now <laughs> and, and like you said we, we we do that kind of thing where you know well we do two kinds of things we do the marriage that's that never becomes a divorce right so we just we live in a completely different states for 20 years mm. but someone dies you still a spouse? Oh no, but they didn't. They didn't live as spouse. Statue says spouse gets this right. So mm -hmm. that's the way it goes. The flip side of that is people living together, wifey, you my husband, my boo mm -hmm. thing. <laughs> you never get the paperwork done. Right. You're the. I had one situation that was really sad. A woman. She was an only child of only children. Okay, so she wound up going to the doctor or something, and she, you know, a little problem here or there, went to the doctor, found a big problem. Three weeks later, she had passed away from, from this illness, super quick. Had a living uh, fiance, they didn't get a chance to get married yet. When she passed, she didn't have a, he wasn't the spouse, so she had a house and money and everything else. He couldn't get access to. So he came to me like, I want to probate my fiance's estate. And I'm like, okay, well, you aren't married yet. So if you, I could get you appointed as, if she didn't have a will, I said, like, I could get you appointed as administrator. But since she didn't have a will leaving you anything, the, the statute's going to say, does she have any you know, spouse? No. Does she have any children? No. Go up, find the parents. They passed away. Go find, you know, the uncles and aunts. And it would have been like some far-reaching, you know, relative that had, that she didn't really have any connection you know, thing to do with. So he couldn't get anything from her under the statute because he just didn't get a chance to get married to her yet. And that's kind of thing that we have happened to us because we have to understand there are certain rights that come with being a spouse. Mm -hmm. Automatic under state planning. We have 401ks. If you have a 401k for your employer, this is what's called an ERISA qualified plan. ERISA says spousal protection, the spouse is automatically the primary beneficiary unless the spouse exclaims. So being married to someone brings a lot of financial rights with it. And like I said, in test state, you passed away, you have a spouse, that person is guaranteed a minimum one third. Does it matter what you, how you're, you know, what you got along, you could be fighting left and right. Your spouse, you get an interest. You, you not a spouse. Yeah, and that's important. So it's, it's yeah. something we need to understand how the rules work. Yeah, because it's like you're saying, it's just a matter of, I mean, there are a whole lot of things that we accept socially, but but legally, you know, it, it causes a problem. You know, we can all say that, oh, but you know, you've been with that person for 25 years. You're entitled to that. Just like you said, if you don't have that piece of paper that says so, or you don't have any directives, then you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. So this is a hugely, hugely important conversation that we need to be having, especially during this time, but even outside of this space. You know, we're talking about estate planning in the now because this is what's happening right now. 
but 10 years from now, it's still going to be the same situation. It's going to be the same questions that are going to be asked before this pandemic hit. It was the same questions that needed to be asked and, and people need to really, uh, you know, stop and, and consider all the scenarios. I would have never, never thought through all this. I would have said, okay, I got 75 pairs of shoes. I'm going to leave them to my best friend. <laughs> you know, and, and I got all, I got, you know, I got a thousand necklaces in one neck. I'm going to leave that to my daughter. You know, and I would I would have taken the simple route and just saying, okay, I've got all of my things put to the side, but I would have never thought about the whole aspect of a spouse and and you know what you think of spouse, but and children and stepchildren and all of these things, those dynamics you know don't really come to people's thoughts. We just think, you know, we want to do that. I love that you talk about the fact that estate planning encompasses how we live how we're living is going to be reflective of how our our things are going to be uh, dispersed and how we're going to be treated. So, you know, it, it's something, it, it, it's, it's uh, you know, there's a circling pattern that comes around. You know, it's going to come around. We come, we're born, we have things that are going to happen. How is it going to end? What are we going to look like in the end? What are we going to look like on paper in the end? And it's like you said, sometimes it could be a morbid thought. But, but look at the mess that you can leave if you don't, right. you know, we have to consider those things. We have to consider what are we leaving behind? Are we leaving a legacy behind or are we leaving a bunch of mess behind for somebody else to be responsible for cleaning up, right. you know? So, so like I said, I hope that people have heard and, and, and really, you know, taken heed to the importance of, of estate planning the importance of, of, talking about how you're living, especially in this season where, where people are passing away at, alarming, at alarmingly young rates. People who are thinking that they have their whole life to live and next thing you know, we're hearing that people are passing at 45, 50. You know, things like this, this are happening and people are not taking into consideration that, you know, we're, we're not gonna be here forever. There's all kinds of diseases. There are pandemics, there are things that can come and, and take our lives before we want them to. A lot of, of health issues, things like that are really prevalent now and people need to take a hard look at, at what's necessary to do in order to prepare. And so I just, you know, I'm floored. I'm floored and I'm also glad that you're here because I want people to make sure that they get in contact with you and to get in contact with estate planners in their area so that they know what to do and how to navigate in this space, this space. So, you know, I thank you for bringing that information to us. Uh, before I get into your now, or what you're doing in your now, are there any other words that you want to leave for, for those who are, are listening regarding state, estate planning? I don't want to miss anything. Yeah, you know, it, it is just, and I we didn't really get to probate. Uh, I want people to understand just how, this system is set up. Probate, when people think of probate, they think of it as something you have to use the court to get property to the family, right? So if mm -hmm. I have a will, I leave everything, like I mentioned, Carol, Mac Brady, Carol Brady, you take the thing to the court. Understand this first. Probate is designed for the creditors, mm -hmm. right? So if someone dies, you owe, you know, you got your mortgage, you got your credit cards, maybe you had some hospital bills or they got to organize all those bills, right? right? So whether you have a, a will or you don't, so whether you have a will or you don't, when you're going to go through probate court, so I want to make that clear, probate court is for whether you have a will or whether you don't, and either way, with, whether it's an administrator who, when you don't have a will, they call an administrator, if you have a will, they call an executor, either way, that person is going to be responsible for gathering all your assets and telling the court, this is all the assets the person has. And then also telling the court, this is all the debt, all the credit. You got to put a notice in the paper. Creditors will start sending notices. Hey, this person owes me something. You check the person's mail. Make sure you see what the bills are. And you have to pay the creditors first. Okay. Right? So even if I have a will that says I leave everything to my spouse, if I had 100000 cash and I had 150000 of creditors, guess what? That will... Is not passing anything because that hundred fifty thousand is going to swallow up that hundred. Right. Your will says leave everything to the spouse, but there's nothing left. Right. 
right, so part of estate planning that we talk to people about is we want to talk to you about how you have structures that avoid going to probate in the first place because you can arrange things with joint ownership on trust and other things that will avoid having that exposure to that process. So I wanna make sure we hit, hit that. So we, we have to worry about how we design things and, and will and what we have or not and how we set that up. But even if we set that up correctly, if we put it in the wrong uh, way or own things in the wrong way, we risk exposing them where creditors can come in. And creditors also includes, you know, I gotta say, the lawyers, the accountants, yeah. the you know, we got court fee, you know, is, is part of the administrative piece, right. you know, there's a, there's a lot of money that goes to us too. So, you know, even though it's not my self-interest, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> all right, you want to avoid, you want to avoid trying to go through that process if possible. So a lot of what we want to do is think ahead and try to plan, that's that, that planning part. Yeah. You got to really know every single step. How do, How is money going to pass? Kind of map it out. This is the dollar. I have it going from this life insurance policy. Does it go, oh, I've I put my son in this life insurance policy. He's only 12. He can't get that policy directly because he's a minor. Now we have to do, whether we have to create a trust to hold it for him or something. You got to think through all the details. How does this money pass? So it's not just enough to have the insurance. You got to know how you want that to pass if it goes through that. Wow. So there's a lot of logistical things my that is in the details. Like I said, mind blown. My little bun on here is vibrating. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is a lot of information, but it's necessary. It's necessary. That's why I'm, I'm grateful for platforms like this so that we can talk about these things because there's so much that we, that we make assumptions about or that we think we know about. And, and there's a whole nother set of, of uh, things that we need to know. And so, you know, it's important that, that we know the terminology, you know, that's why I'm so glad that we spoke about living wills and how that's just not something that is existing in the state of Georgia, you know, and that we learned uh, that we're advanced directed. You know, it's important for us to know the vocabulary because we can't talk about things if we don't know enough about them or aren't given the terms to use so that we're sure that we're talking about the same thing. Right. You know, so I think it's important that we do that. I think this was a, a, an important and timely conversation to have because so many of us are ill prepared and we just don't know what's coming down the pipe. And if we should happen to, to get ill as a result of this pandemic or if we've experienced, uh, you know, things that have happened to us as a result of it and, and, and it may have caused our life expectancy not to go as long as we thought. We have to take these things into consideration so that we're not left, you know, with the horrible, I hate to say, you know, quote unquote, state of affairs. We need to make sure that we're we're planning and we're organizing for our future. And you know, I'm grateful that there are, you know, people like yourself that that have taken it on, you know, not just as as a profession but as a ministry to make sure that we're we're caring for and taking care of each other. And asking the questions and answering the hard questions that we need to answer so that we're not stuck. You know, so I appreciate that. I appreciate you bringing this information to us and, and keeping us informed. So, again, as I say at, at the end of all of my shows, when we talk about, yeah, well, like I said, we're going we're to talk about what are some things that you do to live in this now? How are you navigating in this space right now? I don't know if you're able to. Yes, I am. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you were able to hear me. I, you froze just a little bit. But I was asking you, what are yes. you doing in this now? Well, in this now, you know, I told you I had the when this first started. And it's been a blessing for me in a couple of ways. Uh, spiritually, you know, I started having that same, like I said, the same feelings of, you know, my mortality. I didn't know where this was going. So I started getting my word, right? <laughs> uh, you know, before it was just, you know, I was a churchgoer, yeah. but I didn't really, you know, unfortunately really get into my word and read. Yeah. Let me go have quiet time. Let me go say, Lord, what do you want from me? And, you know, am I doing the right thing? Guide me, you know? Yeah. So I started having conversations 
and, and saying, well, you know, I might see you in person soon, so let me just start prepping. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's changed a lot for me. And that's a blessing to, to you know, unfortunately took that kind of anxiety and fear to get there. But, you know, once you get there, you're just thankful that you, you got there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then physically, you mentioned, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a little smaller than I was before because once I heard what the you know, this pandemic does to people, and I said, you know what? I need to get myself in as physically fit a shape as I can awesome. to give myself the best chance. Mm-hmm. So I started walking, changing my diet. So I've dropped about 60 pounds. Hey, now. Woo-hoo. I want to get another 60, but you know, it's, <laughs> you get that plateau, so it's harder to get that second yes. 60. Yes. But I try to at least, you know, not go back, right? So right. I you know, got there walking, but the weather's starting to really get nice now, go back in my routine of walking. Mm-hmm. So those are the two things is just get myself physically fit and then, of course, spiritually fit. And yeah. just say, hey, and I, even when I practice now, it's kind of like more formal. When I got back from my word, I said, you know, Lord, this is your practice. Yes. I said, you have me, you know, my name's on it, but this is your practice. So when I, every time I meet with someone before I talk to them, I pray and I said, Lord, you know, help me say the right things. Help me to listen, understand, but let me say what you want me to say. And I incorporate him into everything I'm doing. So that's Amazing. been a big change for me. That's wonderful, you know, and, and that's important. It's important for us to see how, how people are navigating in this space because there's still uncertainty for some of us. And for some of us, it, it does. It has, it has expanded our a spiritual journey it has exp- expanded our wealth uh, in our wellness journey what are, what are the things that we're doing to you know be in the best position like you said you know to grow and i think that uh, a beautiful thing that you're doing in this whole cycle of people who are are still existing in a space of fear some people who are still learning and growing things they are those who have gotten to a space of growth and are reaching back and helping others and, and I feel that you fall in that category as well. There may be some overlap in things that you're learning because we're still always learning and growing, but it's wonderful when we get to a space where we can reach back and help others. And I think that you do a beautiful job of doing that. So I am just so excited, to, like I said, to have you here. I'm so grateful that, that you've come on and, and shared the information that you shared because it's something that, that we all have to face at some point, you know, and we hope later rather than sooner you know, but right. while we are still, you know, in, in, in our right mind and, and, and have strength in our bodies, we should be seeking to, to get these questions answered. So that, that way we're leaving those behind a legacy of, 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 of wealth and wisdom and, and, and knowledge. Those are things that are going to be important. We want to make sure that we pass those things on and that, you know, we can say that when that person passes that, you know, they, they made sure that they crossed all their T's and dotted all their I's. And I want to make sure that I do the same thing so that I'm in a position like my, my relative left me in. That's what's important. So the the best thing that we can do now is just tell people how they can get in contact with you, because I'm sure they have so many more questions and I'm sure there's so much more. We could have gone on a whole nother hour talking about the different dynamics, but tell people how they can get in contact with you. Oh, absolutely, I appreciate that. There's my website, I call, I go by the Georgia Elder Lawyer. So it's the georgiaelderlawyer.com, uh, the georgiaelderlawyer.com, and then my office number is 770-817-7636. So 770-817-7636, the georgiaelderlawyer.com. Now, is it Georgia spelled out or is it just G-A? The full, yeah, the full Georgia, Georgia Elder Lawyer, the whole thing spelled out. Okay, so that is the L, the Georgia Elder Lawyer.com. And his phone number again is 770-817-7636. And definitely when uh, we post the show, we'll make sure that we have that in the description so people will have an opportunity to get in contact with you. So again, uh, I thank you for being here. I thank you for sharing your wisdom with us and for helping us to prepare for, for the future. Okay. It's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. You're wonderful host. It was as wonderful as I thought it would be because you're amazing. And I'm so proud. I'm proud of you. Thank you so much. Being so, you know. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate our friendship. It has been years and years and years. And, you know, and and I remember him introducing, I remember you introducing me to to, uh, my former church home. And, And there was a lot that I did there as a result. And so I appreciate the friendship. And, and, you know, it's wonderful to have people 
who are in my circle who, you know, have so much knowledge and I, and I can go back and tap into and, and that, you know, we pick up where we left off. So that's the blessing. That's the blessing. So again, I thank you for being here. I thank you so much. Okay. And so that will do it for another episode of the How Now podcast, where we talk about how to live in the now. And until I see you all the next time, I say.